Welcome to the Jig Is Up podcast with your hosts, Darcy and Jason. The Jig Is Up is recorded on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, as well as the lands of Treaty 6 Nations. We aim to bring you new perspectives and open up conversations about Métis politics, culture, and current events, as well as stories that affect Indigenous from all over. If you like the show, or you don't, or if you want to send us suggestions for guests or topics to discuss on the show, feel free to email us at metispodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on all of the social media at Métis Podcast. All right, welcome back to The Jig Is Up. Of course, my name is Darcy, and uh, Jason is not joining me tonight, but I am joined by the president of the Métis Federation of Canada, Charlie Fife. And uh, welcome to the show, Charlie. Hi, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. So uh, y- tell us a little bit about how you kind of got into the position you're in with the Métis Federation. Okay, long, long story. So I, I, I come from Alberta. I'm, I'm from the recognized, what, you know, the, the group that's recognizing themselves as the only Métis. <laughs> um, but what happened was, is, uh, it, and it had nothing to do with politics, uh, 30 years ago or so, I, I started researching my family tree. And um, so within our family, half the family's First Nations, half the family's Métis. Uh, what I found during the course of the, uh, the the research was that there's no blood quantum difference. It's a difference of paper, and and who took treaty, and and there was so one group that that they lived differently. There was you know they didn't live exactly the same. So the the folks that were living as First Nations actually you know lived as First Nations. We had our own different way. Right. So we had a mixed language. We had, you know, we wore sashes, we danced jigs, um, that sort of thing. Those cultural differences were were more than apparent in the family. But we we understood each other. Like when we went to the reserve, it was like, okay, we're going to the farm on Sunday. <laughs> um, so you know, everybody knew each other. Everybody knew they were related. Right on. And uh, so I start doing this research because I got really interested in. Um, you know what what happened what what happened in the past during the course of the research i start finding that we didn't you know obviously we didn't start in, in red river right so the fife line is a red river line but the other lines are, are northwest um but still metis okay. uh, but everybody ends up back in this la prairie province of quebec and about a hundred years prior to red river even being a thought in anyone's head and it's a community these these folks are Métis, they're living together. So I can't figure out, I'm trying to, you know, what's going on here, uh, building my research and building my database and all of these family trees end up back there. They all end up in Quebec. Wow. In the same, in the same community at the St. Regis, they're all baptized at St. Regis uh, mission there and stuff. So um, it made me curious. And then when I, when I came out here, you know, that was just research. But when I came out here, I started to get politically involved. So I knew Rob. I was in, uh, we were in the Oshawa area. And Oshawa's got a huge Métis community, albeit most of them have moved from the west to Oshawa or from other points in Canada to Oshawa, uh, mostly for GM employment was how they ended up there with the huge Métis community was most of them worked for GM. Okay. So Rob... Rob was running this group, and I got involved because I am a Métis performer. I perform in Mitchell. So um, 
I'd go and play at the events, which I did in Alberta too. I did, I've done all over Canada. Uh, so I was more artist performer than anything political. Okay. But um, I had a lot of knowledge from the research. And then um, Rob sort of got took ill and he couldn't continue. And so they had an interim election. So between elections, they had an election and I end up in the seat of president. And um, so then we're, we're continuing, we're building our database. And then, of course, there's all this thing about no Métis in the East. Well, it's not only Métis in the East, there, there's Western Métis in the East too, you know, that just moved over the last 150 years. Yeah. They're no longer living where they, their ancestors did, so they're out here. So my first annoyance was the fact of the, the, the rights aren't transferable. So in the Constitution, I have mobility rights, but those by exercising those mobility rights and moving, whether due to employment or whether due to anything else, all of a sudden I'm out here and I find out I can't harvest. I yeah. can't participate in my lifestyle. And that's important to me when I'm a fur trader. Absolutely, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a major thing. Yeah. And that's what our family's done for hundreds of years. Um, so anyway, this is the first time I have to encounter it. Here I am in a new province. I'm, I'm in a Métis community, accepted by that community, and I can't participate in the harvest. So that sort of burnt me. I was a little bit annoyed with that. <laughs> and Understandably, started, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, uh, I, I, I don't understand. I still don't understand why, you know, who would negotiate that? Yeah. Uh, it, to me, it's absurd. So, you know, thank you very much, whoever did that. But, uh, you know, that's uh, it, it's not a, a correct situation. And it's actually a little bit ludicrous when you consider that we were a transitory population. Like the Métis moved in entire villages would be on these, the road allowance when that was going on, right? There was yeah. like entire communities that would be mobile. They'd be pushed along and away they'd go. Absolutely. So you had decades where people had, there was births happening the whole time. Some of those births never even got recorded. And then where's the community? The community that was there was tense, so they got pushed on. So there's all these rules all of a sudden. And then they started kicking people out and stuff. And I thought, what the heck's going on here? So I started looking. So what they're doing, they're, they're trying to... There's certain markers that, that the court said what determines Métis. But basically it's saying... Um, you're not a First Nations and you're not European. So you're tied to the First Nations because you've had a blood mix that happened. And this has to have happened. These communities have to have occurred prior to control. So yeah. before there was any kind of effective control, no dates before effective control. So right. in the West, when you have um, Red River and, and this, it, it's a fantastic history and a, a wonderful story. But the fact of the matter is it's half the story. So, um, you know, Red River, wonderful. They've hit all the markers. The court said, rah, rah, we're all, you know, we're Métis out there. But what about these other communities? So I start looking into it. Well, the, the timeline isn't the same. If you're, if you're living in Nova Scotia or New Brunswick, there's communities out there that absolutely meet every marker that the court has set. But the problem is, is that the timeline doesn't line up. And because you've got you know, they're calling themselves Métis National Council. So um, the government's operating in such a way that they actually are the Métis National Council. The problem is they only want to represent that group of people and they don't want to acknowledge these other Métis. Right. Now, 
I'm trying to open up that discussion. I mean, we've, we've you know, put put uh, an open hand forward to everybody to try and have some discussion about this because instead of saying there's no Métis, why don't you look at the people who've done 30 and 40 year research who you know are Métis, now all of a sudden are saying, hold on a minute. Now, instead of just discounting what they're saying without looking at the evidence, why wouldn't you sit to a table and look at the evidence? Well, because that's, it's extreme. It, There's a mountain. Absolutely. And I find it interesting, too, because like if you listen to a lot of like um, Métis leaders uh, that are outside of those organizations, uh, or even a lot of Métis locally, just at events and stuff, they all acknowledge that there's Métis in every province all across the country. So it's like, it, it's just a weird that the organizations don't recognize that, but a lot of the people that I've met um, do recognize Eastern Métis, Western Métis, Northern Métis. Like, so it's, it's kind of a weird, weird situation there, I think. You're telling me. I, I started, okay, so years and years ago, I worked for Canadian Media Guild, and Canadian Media Guild represents all on-air personality for CBC. So I was a union rep. Um, and uh, at one point, they were sending me driving out east. I'd go to the east coast. Um, so along these journeys, which, you know, driving out there, it takes a while. And we were in no great hurry, and we're stopping at every little radio station to talk to everybody, every little TV station. But on this trip, I ran into um, very friendly Métis people yeah. that would invite me back to dinner at their house nice. or invite us back. You know, the other fellow that was with me was Jerry Whalen. He wasn't Métis, but, you know, if he was with me, he was invited. So yeah. people, we were just meeting people. And, and in general, the, the East is like that. Like you can go into a town and if you're there a couple of hours, well, who knows that evening, you're probably going to get invited to someone's home for dinner. Right. So... On this trip, there was eight or nine occasions where kitchen parties happened. And it was so reminiscent of home, of being a child at a kitchen party. Those fiddles are going, people are jigging. And you had three generations playing the fiddle. Well, there's something about the Métis fiddle, too. There's a extra beat there. There's a very distinct way. When other musicians come to play with Métis musicians for the first time, they find it difficult because... There's not the exact same cadence. There's an right. extra beat in there. These guys were playing the same. They were playing the exact same songs, the exact same way. Um, there's no denying those were Métis communities. Yeah. Now, how it got to be, I, there were slight variations, not in the songs, but in the spoken word. Mm. But there's variations. If you look online, there's about three different apps that'll teach you. You know, they're trying to teach Mitchiff. And there's, you know, different types. It just depended on where you were. Right. But I think by and large how that must have happened is through the fur trade because my ancestors originally coming out of Quebec, it was um, the the mix wasn't the, the, the Michif we're speaking now. That came back with them. Like their first trip out west was a two-year trip. By the time they got back to their community, they were speaking a mix instead of a mix of Iroquois and French, it was now a mix of Cree and French because they'd spent two years and basically dealing with the Cree. And so th th there was all kinds of variations in the language too. Oh yeah. Um, but it, it's, it was just very eye-opening because during the researching for no reason, nothing to do with politics, just researching, 
it was more than obvious we started in the east, that the, we were already a people in the east. We migrated. So that that's one uh, difference of opinion. But the fact of the matter is the historical evidence is there. So it isn't really an, a, a logical argument that's being given, say, from uh, David, um, because he's not willing to acknowledge that that even happened. I don't know what he thinks if there's, you know, people airdrop in there or what, but um, <laughs> they did not become Métis in the trip between Quebec and, and Red River. Yeah. It, 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 they were already Métis. So that was one sort of issue that he can't get around. He doesn't want to admit, but it, if, if, if all your logic and all your thinking and everything you're saying is, is driven by money instead of truth, well, you know, and I hate to say that, but it's a more than obvious that's what's going on. It's not about um, controlling purity of the nation. It's controlling the resources that are available to the Métis. Absolutely, um, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So, you know, the, the best thing that could happen is we all sit, we say, look, these are the markers that this is what establishes Métis. And the, yes, the timeline's different in the East, but they hit every marker. And the fact of the matter is that no matter how it happens, you want to be as different, you know, you want to claim you're as unique as possible. Well, that's fine. Let's investigate how it can be then that the same songs, the same language, the same music, they weren't imitating you. Um, you know, they weren't, you know, oh, we're going to copy the Red River a hundred years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so, but, but, but in knowing that history, if we were able to tell the full story, then you see the migration from the east, and you also see some people interact. I mean, uh, from you know the Quebec area, you, they're going west, east too. So there's inter-community relations, mm -hmm. and we were tripping across it all the time. We were just researching our western roots, but because those families all ended up in Quebec, and you're in certain records, you're seeing these other Métis. For sure. And, uh, you know, I wasn't recording all that information, but I knew it existed. I kept tripping over it. Yeah. And so then it came time to um, when Rob wasn't able to continue and I took over there, we sort of said, OK, well, and Rob had already started with this sort of seeking out communities that we felt met the definition and mm -hmm. then made treaty with these groups. Yeah. So there's, you know, I don't know, maybe there is some fake groups out there, but I haven't met any, you know, all the people we've dealt with, we've got a good reason to identify them as Métis and accept them as Métis, and that's because they are. Yeah. Uh, so, you yeah. know, now it's just a matter of, uh, if we have to go to court, we will, but court takes a lot of money and a lot of time, whereas the law's already there. The, the, the markers that legally make someone entitled to Métis benefit of any sort, it's already there. Yeah. We don't have to change anything in the courts. All we got to do is get the, the government themselves to change policy because you got Carol Bennett. She's it right along with them. Uh, I don't know if it's a conspiracy or if she's just not too knowledgeable in, in the history uh, because a lot of the... Uh, the stuff, you know, like um, Chartrand's people must have looked this stuff up by now. So it's being facetious when they pretend that the, the evidence doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they must know by now. 
I would, th- um, so I would hope become, so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, there's a mass amount of evidence. And then even the things like, what are you, what are you going to do about uh, all the, the Western Métis that, you know, are holding script that live in Alberta, like that are connected. I mean, that live in Ontario family lines that come from Alberta in our lifetime, most of my family moved here. Well, all, every single one of our ancestors at the time they gave, they did the Métis script. They're all there. All yeah. of them. My grandparents are there. Right. You know, like everybody. Uh, so, the, you know, you, you can't make restitution to one group when it's another group you're owing to. Oh, for so, sure. So, you know, there's all kinds of that going on, too. So it's a big mess, but there is a way to sort of get it straightened out. Um, it would sure be nice, though, if we could all just sit, because it, you don't have to acknowledge by sitting at the table, you're not saying, oh, I agree the other person's Métis. By sitting at the table, we can come up with the agreement that what the court said, these are the markers the court set. Therefore, any community that you know can hit those markers is part of this nation. Right. And and then you can can build a, a national governance because we certainly don't have it now. Yeah. And and if if they're not going to cooperate doing that, then you have to set up two different structures, because you can't allow half the people, less than half the people, to be represented and have rights when they're all entitled. Well, I think you hit on a really good point earlier when you were talking about even uh, Métis from the West that have moved east, like you said, for whatever reason. Like they they're yeah, basically left out lot. in the cold. They they have no oh, representation, yeah. even though they technically are Red River Métis. They still get left out of everything because they happen to be geographically in the east at this time. So yeah, try and go fishing. <laughs> you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. I could move right into Sault Ste. Marie or one of the communities that Ontario is recognizing the MNO. I still don't get my harvesting card because I'm not within 150 miles or kilometers or whatever it is of those ancestral uh, territories. So yeah. I'd have to be in Lac St. Anne or St. Albert, uh, on Onway, Nauticuan, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. Like if I'm in those areas where my ancestors historically were, then, then I'm allowed to hunt and fish and harvest. As soon as I come out here, I could be, you know, I, I'm participating in the Oshawa community, living there at the time. So we're all living in the same town. There's 2,000 people that are all Métis there, but none of them are from there. They're all migrated there because GM brought them there. Right. So everybody found each other when they were there. Yeah. And you, you have a huge community that's being given no sort of rights. And to me, that's absurd. Absolutely. Um, you know, so we got more than just the issue of, of Eastern Métis communities that aren't being recognized that should be, you also have the, the Western Métis that have moved here and then lost their rights as a result of it. Absolutely. Which I, I, I just, it's mind-boggling. Well, I've often, we've often said on the show here that the government treats uh, Métis rights as though they're privileges. Like, um, like you said, they're only oh. valid within a certain geographic area of where your ancestors are from. And it's like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> no, like it I, just I, doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. And then when I was looking at like even something like this, so um, one of my ancestors, he was the easiest one to trace because he's recorded his whole life. So at 18, he signs on in Quebec, but he ends up setting up camp in Jasper Valley mm. and he's back and forth. So yeah. it's a two year trip. He's back and forth. Then 34 families are with him. Wow. And they're coming back and forth the whole time too. 
Yeah. He's got three wives, and I can't remember how many children. At the time of his death, he had over 105 grandchildren, though. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, three wives at different locations. So they want to tie me to a community. Which community? I've got blood through all three of those lines. They're all from different communities in Canada. He didn't have the families, all didn't live at the same place at the same time. Yeah. He had different locations. Um, that not, and, and then so you've got, you know, what they're trying to tie. How could they possibly, what they want to tie me to uh, Lac St. Anne? But, you know, Lac St. Anne is one of eight communities um, that, that it's just impossible to do because it's a moving target. Yeah. So, you know, when they t- tie to uh, these, these communities that are still there today, and, and saying you have to tie to those communities, it just strikes me as so, so strange because it was a, a transitory population. And that was even at the best of times. That was before all that road allowance, you know, the, the road allowance people and all that. Oh, yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a moving population. Yeah. And it's it tying it, you know, tying your rights. And even, you know, I, I, can, I can understand tying hunting and fishing rights to your traditional territory but not really if you're supposed to be a nation if you're supposed to be a nation then any of your communities you should be able to move from dc alberta saskatchewan move to oshawa and have hunting and fishing rights and hunt and and the oshawa community should have hunting and fishing rights why because there's 2000 metis living there as a community absolutely um you know whether or not they were historically there before it's for sure as heck there now so you know that's something we have to get to too is an understanding of the, it doesn't do us any good exercising rights um that are somehow limited by this harness that that's connected to a, a, a historical location yeah uh, you know and and we're living in today so really, those rights should be any, if there's a community existing and you move from a different province to that community, you have every right to participate in the harvest. Yeah. So that, that's, that's what should be happening. Absolutely. I agree. I think it's been, I think it's a real shame that, um, you know, for years we've had certain organizations that have basically just kind of allowed that to become the normal and not, I guess, put up more of a fight or, or you know, made made things more transferable from, you know, technically one province to another kind of thing. Because, like you said, we're all if we're all one nation, then we should act that way. I mean, when you're, you're a Canadian, your charter rights apply, whether you're in Calgary or Quebec or, you know, Newfoundland, well, also, they're all the same. You know, they make, Canada makes this big uh, hullabaloo about, um, you know, it's supposed to be helping us um heal and helping us and you know our what our traditional culture was well in our traditional culture we visited other communities to go and participate in their hunt you know or 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 in fishing or whatever but that's what happened we would go you know a large group of us just like you know the the people who went and participated in the buffalo hunt absolutely were from all different you know areas they'd go participate in the one hunt all together well we did that all over wherever our communities were and and sometimes traveling for months to get there to participate in a hunt or fishing or in yeah. some cases a rendezvous that uh, there was a huge one in Alberta sometimes people traveled three months to get to the rendezvous so you know there's there was such a uh, 
people and they weren't migrating they were simply in the course of their business they, they were you know families with them and they're going and they're setting up trap lines in certain areas but when they moved they moved everybody they didn't yeah. leave their you know their tents and i'm coming back they no. so a lot of it is really unfair the way they're trying you know we want to recognize and, and support your your right of of um continuing your culture and but then at the same time that culture they they're trying to hide it you know it's uh, so well it's typical sort of government they eh? trying to get around obligations which are only increasing now with the other thing too the un thing being signed now oh absolutely so, you it, know that that i've always kind of thought that it's it's actually you know in a, in a, it's such a shame that we have this fight because really that that eastern metis kind of early 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 history it's just absolutely fascinating history and i kind of feel like you know between the government and you know the, the the major funded organizations that are out there now it's like they're really trying to just erase that and pretend that the first couple hundred years of of uh, people coming to this land didn't happen <laughs> and i i just think well, it's a shame because it's a beautiful history <laughs> that's right like it's a wonderfully woven fabric the tail would be marvelous like it would so improve <laughs> you know I, I sit there i love history i love canada's history i love our history um but to tell the whole story it changes a lot of things when Absolutely. you're able to tell the whole story um and unfortunately that's how we get these these groups that if you're taught taught a false history if somebody has an agenda and decides okay we're going to subvert the history in order that we can end up you know being the only group kind of thing uh that's a shame if that's allowed to happen because there's a really rich story there that's all interconnected including the western metis well what we what they consider themselves western metis mm -hmm. But if they knew the whole story, there's no Western, there's no Eastern, it's just Métis. And, well, and I'd, I'd like to get it to that point of understanding, but it, it's having people sit to a table and actually listen with open arms, and or open heart, and, and look at what's being presented, too, because there's a lot of evidence. And if all you're going to do is say, nope, nope, you don't exist, and not even look, then to me that's not government that's those are private clubs absolutely absolutely and i think it's important that uh yeah, like i i think the government's done a really good job over its history of of dividing indigenous people in general just doing everything it can to divide and conquer and i think uh i think now is like it's it's a fantastic time to to start bringing people together and um you know, I, one of the things that I, I always notice with some organizations is it's more about power and control. Whereas I, the one thing that I do like about the MFC when I, you know, when I started getting to know Robert and the, and the organization was, it wasn't about taking over anybody else. It was about combining to kind of build a coalition more than anything. Um, well, because there's so much problem with the way M MNC is doing things that we know that doesn't work. And what would work? Well, have it community driven. So identify all your communities and what their needs are, and then deal with it that way where yeah. you can work together. There can be a structure that works as a national sort of structure. Mm -hmm. 
with the interest, the, the community interests actually being taken care of, because now we've got so many levels of government, it's getting ridiculous. So you've got, um, you know, you're, you've got your, your the, the main councils that I think are the most important would be your, you know, like the Oshawa Council. And then it became a Durham Region Council because the, it kept getting bigger and bigger and nobody actually, not all of them are in Oshawa proper. So uh, Durham Region. So you'd need, those communities have to be recognized and, and strengthened so that they're able to speak for themselves kind of thing. Yeah. And then you create your, your national structure. But the most important thing, like where all these people are flipping out right now, oh, the MNC's falling apart and you're hurting the Métis Nation. Well, it isn't. As long as your groups are intact, which they are, MNO's intact, yeah. uh, you know, the, the uh, Saskatchewan's intact, Alberta's intact, they can operate as they are without this supposed national structure because that's what I think was really hurting us was that. Yeah. So there's two things we could do that would that would in the in the immediate future that we could do to move this along, and that would be to for us to sit down and agree to the, you know, there's more Métis than just us. Here's why. Here's the markers that Canada set. Here's what the court said. Here's the communities in the east. Now, obviously, we have Métis across Canada. If we can at least agree to that, and then we have the communities identified, then you know. It, we don't have to work together after that if they want to do two different governments and, and both going to the government, for, both dealing with Canada independently for funding. They can do that, but that to me is foolishness Yeah, because it's the same, you know, whether you want to deny it right now or not, but after you look at the evidence and it becomes more than apparent that the Métis are the Métis, it's one people, yeah. then it becomes ridiculous to try and separate into two governments. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely, so, and I don't really understand. Like, uh, I mean, I understand the, the the structure of the MNC and the the provincial ones, but I, to be honest, the the what the MNC does is very um, limited. Like, they're not a a program service provider. They uh, they don't issue membership cards themselves. They so it's kind of like a redundant level of of what they call government. Um, and I just I wonder how much government does do Métis people need. <laughs> You know? Yeah, because it might be that that's all you need. Like, but then you have another problem is that you've got um, Métis Nation Alberta, Métis Federation, uh, Métis Manitoba Métis Federation. They all have their little in, independent membership rules in through which they disclude certain people. Yeah, um, you can't do that. You either represent everybody, or you're not a government. Exactly. You know, and then if, if everybody wants to do that, well, fine, then we'll all be political parties and let's have an election for a national government. You can run your elect, you can run your, you know, run your candidates for the platforms. And, you know, that's what we need to do, something like that. If they if they want to all be this, you know, that way. Yeah. But it would be so much easier to just work together, like sit at the table, see why all these people that you know, because that's the thing that really annoys me, too, is when nobody's listening or discounting what you're saying. Well, you know what, during that 30 years research, how many people and how many communities came to me because they needed research, and this is in the West. So if I was dependable then, and you trusted me then, why aren't you trusting me now? Mm-hmm. That's the same a very person good point. coming forward. So, so if, I was, uh, if, uh, if I had credibility when I was in the West, and all of a sudden I'm saying something that you don't like hearing, but I'm saying it, then maybe you should look at who's saying it and say, okay, well, 
there's got to be something there. Um, you know, so granted, on the other hand, you have, <laughs> you know, buddy over there saying we don't exist out here. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's hard for people to tell because they're, if, if your leader is being dishonest with you and you have no idea, you're just a follower and, and somebody's, you know, pulling the wool over your eyes. Well, I can understand why this is going the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we have to just start having the conversation in public. He seemed a little worried about that, that we were speaking about any of this stuff in public. You know, he's just trying to embarrass and, you know, air <laughs> the dirty laundry. Um, not really. We're trying to spark a conversation. If he'd have said, let's all have a meeting on Friday, you know, meet in Ottawa and blah, 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 that meeting would have happened. But these guys don't want to meet. Bennett's so secure that, they're going to be secure that she's trying not to meet, but that's all coming apart everywhere mm -hmm. because you start producing evidence and showing it to people in the right places and they start understanding what you're saying to be true. And then you've got other people that are standing there lying and they know they're lying. Yeah. Then it becomes kind of ridiculous. You start losing any credibility. So those guys, when they're attacking me should be very careful what they're saying because I'm showing the evidence to MPs and MPPs and other people in part in government. Yeah. So, you know, when I'm saying something, I'm not just saying it, I'm saying it because I can prove it. Absolutely. Um, so then when they're, you know, making ridiculous counter statements, they should be very, very careful what they say mm -hmm. because they can be guaranteed. I'll have not only information to back up what I'm saying, but a lot of times I have their information, yeah. you know, on, on the, very dangerous situation if you're going to lie. Just at least come forward and confront it if you want to confront it. But, the, you know, what do you do? You, you're attacking because it, it might uh, cost you control of funding. It's it, That's the only thing I can think. Absolutely. And yeah. It, and it shouldn't be that way. If everything was working properly, then the right funding would go to the right places. And, well, and, and I think, too, like I've noticed, it seems um, we get mirrored down and bogged down in, in this conversation of who is and who's not. But at the end of the day, you know, what uh, I think what, a, what any Métis person in, in, your, in a position like yours wants is better life for Métis people. You know, whether that's um, some housing help or, or more scholarships or whatever. Like, it's, it's not about you know, necessarily getting, you know, yourself paid a huge amount of money. It's about making life better for Métis across the country. And I think that's not, that's the conversation that, I don't know if it's being purposely avoided by certain people to retain power and funding, but like that's, to me, that's what it's all about. It's, it's not necessarily about power. It's about what, what can we all provide? And I think, like you said, when you sit down with people and actually have a conversation I think it becomes very clear very quickly that you all want the same thing. Um, you know, even on a community level or, on a, or you know, whatever, but you kind of all want the same thing. You want the best for each other, you know. You would certainly hope so. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you would certainly hope so because that this shouldn't even, money shouldn't even enter into the conversation. It's just the world we're in and the situation we're in because if we were dealing strictly on the identity issue and there was no... In, uh, perceived pot of gold there and we we're just dealing strictly with the identity issue there wouldn't even be a problem because you'd be able to show your evidence without people worrying that they're going to lose control of x number of dollars and that's exactly what's going on 
Yep. It's got nothing to do with reality. The files are there. All somebody's got to do is look at them. You know, and then th- that's the end of story. It it's becomes obvious that what we're saying is true. There's Métis from coast to coast to coast. There's historical Métis communities, east and west. There's, you know, the, the slightly different experiences, but there's also some land stuff that happened in the east, too. I'm not real up on it, but I've been sort of reading up on some stuff there, too. Yeah. And so there's all kinds of things that happened everywhere. Absolutely. And I think as Métis, uh, if we can work together, we obviously are going to get way further than trying to work individually. And if we have to, that's what will happen. Like it'll just be all these different community groups that will go to the government yeah. to negotiate for this or that or the other thing. But that's kind of like pulling teeth. Right. And yeah. it would be so much better to have a proper national structure that, everybody was participating in and have it be community driven like you you don't want the control at the top well some people do but <laughs> yeah, the, the, the whole thing the whole thing like the, you know if you're living in new brunswick in the metis community you know the needs of your community so you might not need uh health and wellness funding but you might need uh, uh help for seniors there or, or you might need uh you know it's a, a community with a lot so they need, you know, looking for grant money or that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's available in the West. And see, I, that's something else, too, is the government seems to think that by letting MNC do their dirty work to sort of say you're not Métis, that somehow lets them off the hook. Well, no, the fiduciary duty is still there. Absolutely. It, so, so if they want to deal with us all as separate entities, too, well, you keep going the way you're going, and you're going to end up dealing with 100 different groups. Yeah. You know, instead of because she's out there praising LaRue and everything else, that's another foolish thing because him, he's on the verge of, uh, of, of slander, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and half the t- he crosses that line every once in a while, too. Well, so, and I've always wondered how a guy who doesn't identify as Metis but makes a living off of Metis identity is allowed to continue to do that. I mean, I've often well, said on the show, if, if he if he decided to read a lot of books about being Blackfoot and came out to Treaty 7 here and the Blackfoot Confederacy and decided to tell people who's Blackfoot and who's not, he'd, he'd get run out of town. Yeah. But, but yet, for some reason, I, I think because it fits a narrative for some people, he's allowed to continue doing what he does, and I think it's ridiculous. I think he's paid to do what he does. Absolutely. I think there's the actual funding that's coming, whether it's an outright check because he's made that joke too. Oh yeah, cashed the check yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. I mean, I know, just I uh, just kind of look at him like a, a a new version of an Indian agent, where he's he's benefiting off of an indigenous issue and indigenous people. He's he's been living off it the last couple of years, off attacking an indigenous group. It's crazy. Yeah, and I and for some reason it's okay. It, well, yeah, because it, it's following a narrative. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, it's it's just mind-boggling. Oh yeah, yeah. So what um, you, you know, when it comes to the Métis Federation, like, what are some of the things that you guys are? are is there something you're working on right now, or anything that? Because um, I know, I know you've brought a lot of new people in, and and you're doing a bunch of uh, things and kind of supporting people doing what they're doing. Um, so is there anything specific that you maybe wanted to talk about here? Or? Uh, well, there's always. There's an ongoing effort, the 60 scoop effort, and that's Catherine Lagrange who's dealing yeah. with that. 
um, and puts a lot of time and effort into that. We fully support that. Yeah, she does uh, great work. And, and oh yeah, that's that's been really good. Um, other than that, dealing with government, trying to uh, identify because we're still researching to see eastern communities where you know, looking at all that still going on like all this research is still going on and because there's no money so everybody who's committee members all you know (laughs) your hands on all right you're a (laughs) full-time uh you know and everybody there's every uh, the rest of them are younger than i am so they're all working but try and work a full-time job and do this at the same time it gets going pretty good oh yeah um so i'll go around I've, i've done a lot of visits um with MPs, with MPPs, sort of directly talking about our issues. Yeah. Uh, a lot of outreach to First Nations that I do business with and communally, like speaking to elders and just the traditional community, mostly the Powell communities, because that's the people that I know. Yeah. Uh, building those bridges, because I think that's more important than our relationship with Canada. We sort of got a three-tier thing we got to take care of here, and if we're talking re- reconciliation, would be reconciliation with ourselves, then with First Nations, then with Canada. Absolutely, that, and that's order of importance that I see it too, because there's all kinds of issues with um, if we're going to be expecting something from um, some kind of land resources that are coming out, and and like what's been going on in the West, shouldn't we? Um, be at least dealing with the First Nations. I mean, it's their territories that we're on, and I don't care where you are in Canada. You're on some First Nations territories. Absolutely. So it's important to me that those relationships are kept healthy, and they're starting to be good relationships. Like, we're, our relationship's always sort of been good with them, but the Métis relationship in general, um, there's some animosity there because of some of the stuff that's gone on out west. Well, absolutely. So, I think, you know, you have uh, people like David Chartrand telling, you know, Manitoba chiefs that uh, you guys don't own the land. And um, they, you know, even here in Alberta, I know they, they never even attempt to work with or consult with any of the First Nations out here in Alberta. They just do whatever they want, and it's good. And I think that I've always thought that is an absolute shameful way to do things. Um, so I'm glad to hear you saying what you're saying about that. Yeah, like there's there's lots of sort of things that we're going to have to address as we're as we're built, building our nation, because I really see it that way. I see it as sort of uh, chasing nationhood, because it, it isn't there. It is. I don't care who says yeah. you know Canada. You know, there's a Métis national government, and and I'm a citizen of well. The fact of the matter is, there isn't, and you aren't. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're Métis, you're self-identified. The way they set it up was just terrible. But that's okay. It's still, it's a dealable situation, but we got to get some sane people. Absolutely. And you, can't, you can't have people every time when you go and show them ev- try to show them evidence or, or, or bring them to a, a different understanding, shoving their head in the sand instead of looking at what you're saying or showing. And that's what's been going on, and it's been going on far too long. Yeah. So now we're going, instead of trying to go to those people, we're going to everybody else. So <laughs> <laughs> right on. Make, 
making treaty with those communities that we found and there's a lot of groups like there's a lot of stuff going on and there's it would be to everybody's benefit if we could just have everyone sort of sit the table to have the conversation i'm not asking them to identify who the metis communities are in the east i'm just saying this is how we're going to identify those metis communities or how we are identifying and it's exactly the way the court you have certain markers that are there. If it's a pre-existing community that's before uh, the, the the control and it, and it's not First Nations and it's mm-hmm. not the European, it's a different, you know, they're distinct to themselves. Well, then there you go. There's a historic Métis community and there's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like we have to look too hard. <laughs> we started, you know, tripping across and it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, and you know what, I was reading a book the other day, I, I should have looked it up for the interview, but it's, it, it's um, old research, and the lady was talking about what was going on with the Métis, and at the time she said she feared um, that the situation would be abused to try and create exactly what happened, that there's a, a Western Métis group claiming they're the only Métis kind of thing. Yeah. I'm going to find that research, and then the next conversation we have, we'll go over that. For sure. Because it's interesting finding stuff that 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 somebody was saying ha- could happen, and then it does happen. Yeah. And, um, yeah, some interesting things there, because there's enough stuff glaringly apparent to show that there's an awareness that there is more than those Métis. Yeah. You know, it's not like they actually believe that those are the only Métis. Bennett, there's no way. Yeah, no. Um, you know, they've actually, they're sitting on a bunch of files there that they know better, despite what they do about moving files around. You know, all those databases, 20 years ago, you could just, you know, get online and, and maybe not even 20, 15 years, 10 years probably even. And all those databases you could access into everything and birth certificates and priest records and everything else. You'd be able to get it online. And then they started moving databases around or making it a closed, um, restricted, 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 you know, all these files that are restricted now. None of that used to happen. And it's all to counter, you know, okay, you guys, you got to self-identify. Quick, hide the files. (laughs) You know, And then that whole Western database that that uh, professor from University of Alberta had, and they destroyed that database, but we'd already downloaded it. Like, we've been working on the thing for 20 years. Yeah. You know, work, and, and every time you find a relevant piece, you're downloading it, <laughs> printing it out. You know, it's not like we didn't already have it. So, yeah, have at her. Yeah, Go exactly. Ahead. Now, now our, it, all that meant to me was it doesn't mean the evidence doesn't exist because we have it. All that means is our database is bigger than yours or, or more more uh, qualified than yours. Yeah, If absolutely. you've been destroying files and we've been collecting them before you destroyed them, well, then now we have a better database than yours. That's the way I look at it anyway because ours is pretty good. Oh, yeah, if for sure. Could, you know. Well, and I think I think the, you know, the government, I mean, all of this identity issue with with within the Métis community, I think, plays really well into the government's ability to not, like, to to not shoulder any of the responsibility. Like, they can kind of yeah. go, "Well, see, there's just a little bit of Métis. There's not a lot," <laughs> and I think it works really well for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. And then he keeps screaming about all the money that he's gonna co- it's gonna cost him. Well, look, that's kind of a fallacy. 
Uh, yeah. For one thing, if if all of a sudden you recognize all the Métis in Canada, um, you think people are going to run around and start hunt that didn't hunt before and fish before and collect medicines or or harvest out of the forest before? You think they're all going to start doing that tomorrow? Yeah. I doubt it. <laughs> I, I doubt it. <laughs> you know, I can't see it. Uh, so that's not going to cost them the hundreds of millions that uh, they're trying to portray it to be. Yeah. You know, it's just not going to happen. It's not a reality. And most of these people, all they're looking for is a recognition. They just want to be, have their identity and celebrate who they are. That's it. Well, and, um, and I find that people want to feel like they are part of something, you know, like they want that recognition of who they are and that they're part of something. And that's really the biggest reason. Um, like when, when people even that I know that do get their Métis Nation of Alberta cards, like it's, it's not the card. It, like they don't get anything from getting the actual card. They get nothing other than maybe some access to some scholarships for kids or something. But the reality is they get a card in the mail. But it's the fact that now they feel like they're connected to something and they feel like they've, they know who they are now. And I think that's the important thing that, that people are forgetting in all of this. And that's it's an that's an interesting point because I the one thing I hate to see, what will a Métis card get me? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll say, well, it gets you nothing. Yeah, <laughs> um, because it annoys me. The question annoys me. Um, it it uh, you get your identity. You get to know who you are. You Absolutely. get to know your history. Um, you get to know your ancestors. Yes. You get to know that the teachings of the people that came before you. Um, you know, it, it's it's a sad sort of situation when everything is tying to money. It starts driving me a little crazy. For sure. Um, what you know? Do we get gas cards? <laughs> no. Well, I don't know if you saw any of my posts in the last week, but I just I'll address it if it comes up. So I had to explain the difference between a Métis card and a status card, mm. and a lot of people didn't get it. And yeah, a lot of people didn't like it. Like yeah. they they didn't like being told at no point. Are you ever, even if we identify the Eastern communities, you are still not going to have status the way a First Nations had status. There's a difference. There's Absolutely. a reason that they have status. Yeah. <laughs> so anything that uh, you have rights-wise, is it's it's not about being equal to First Nations. Yeah. It's about being fair to the Métis people. That's right. And so there's a big difference, and they got to understand that too. Because you, 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 the last thing you want to do is be trying to bully First Nations into, you know, situations, or even just go behind their backs. Um, that sort of behavior can't be, can't be going on. We got to be able to work with them first, and and you know, it, when we go on their territories, give that acknowledgement, and then. You know, I'm even for hunting and fishing, it was done wrong. It should have been the Métis should have been negotiating to to harvest, hunt, fish, whatever, hand in hand with the First Nations. And that's who, had I been the fella in charge, I would have been speaking to them. I wouldn't have been talking to Canada. I would have first gone to the First Nations, then gone with them to Canada and said, look, yeah. this is what we're doing. Absolutely. Um, because those yeah. Those rights are there. We are entitled to those rights, but those rights are there. Like those are our our rights. Those aren't. It's not a gift from Canada. Yeah. It's just Canada acknowledging that we have those rights. Yeah. Um. But 
somehow our rights have, it seems like whoever been negotiating been negotiating the wrong direction, you know, um, <laughs> because it, it transferable rights. That's one thing I don't even understand how it could have happened as it's a transitory population to begin with. Yep. Like, and then trying to tie um, people's identities and their rights to that to these communities. You know what we live in today? I'm more concerned with the modern day communities than I am with these ones in the past. Yeah. Well, and then what's yeah. another thing is what's community? There's all kinds of different uh, definitions of community. Yep. They're trying to stick with a physical location of a township type community, yep. but that's not the Métis. So right. if, if, if all things were uh, regarded fairly, we, we wouldn't have any trouble um, with the way the rulings have been set or anything else. It's just the interpretation. And then after that interpretation, it's the policy. It's how CERN is uh, conducting themselves. Yeah. But the rules are already there. All we have to have is some acknowledgement that we exist. It's just crazy. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy hearing you talk about is is work, is is the idea of working together with First Nations first. Um you know, like I, I've said what you just said about harvesting rights and, and fishing and all that kind of stuff for a long time, that why don't we start approaching First Nations? And because then it gets really easy, it gets much easier for the government or for us to go to government together than it does to go as a fractured, you know, little groups here and there. Um, I, and think not the, I think the that. government's easier to, for them to keep everybody confused. Well, it's politically correct, too. It shows the respect. It shows that we're respecting that First Nation. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, the, if to not do that to me, it's uh, you're slapping someone in the face. That well, it really, it's taken as an insult because it is an insult it, it, to, to me. That's the very first thing that we, or one of the very first things we should be attempting to correct is that. Well, because and, and I think can, it's important, to, you know, for you to be saying this because I think. You know, there's certain people, individuals out there that are academics that are making money off this issue, and and they like to to say the MFC is trying to, you know, <coughs> steal people's rights and you know take over territories, and you know they're just trying to be more colonizers out east and steal all the rights from indigenous from First Nations. But I kind of feel like it's the opposite, where it's the MNC that's actually doing that because they don't they don't work with First Nations on almost anything. And they don't care to. They don't want to. They've openly said that, you know, you guys don't own the land. You guys don't. We're our, we're our own people. You don't care about what you guys are doing. And uh, so I think it's really, I, I'm just glad to hear, it's refreshing to hear somebody else, you know, in a position like yours to, to say these things. So I think that's really awesome. I just think that the Métis Nation has got off on a real bad foot because you had the wrong people speaking. You had the wrong person in the driver's seat. And that's how come everybody's not happy. You can bet First Nations are not happy with MNC. Oh, yeah. And the Métis, the Métis people, if you were to look at the overall population and how happy, you know, there'll be a certain group that is happy with them, but the majority of the Métis people aren't happy with them. Yeah. And there's a reason for that, because yeah. it's been a very self-serving, you know, it, the, the, the amount, I mean, I, I hate using the word corruption, but corruption Oh, totally. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. You know, uh, it, and then everything comes out backwards. And then lately, like this week, Kim, he kept talking about in the they owe an, uh, ex, they owed a, a 
apology to the MNC. And I'm like, wow, this guy, like he's, his name's not David anymore. It's MNC because he's demanding this apology. Yeah. But the people he's demanding apology from, without those people, there is no MNC. Exactly. So, you know, I, I kept reading, he's demanding that they give the apology to the MNC. But they are the MNC, or they were the MNC. Like, they were the, if, yeah. if there's only five of you at the table and three of you get up and leave, then that's it. It's, it's done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? What I what I found really funny is I read that he, uh, they made a statement and he said that, uh, or the MNC said that these three groups are now appropriating Métis culture. And I thought, well, how do Métis people appropriate Métis culture? I'll tell you this. They're they're (laughs) lucky there's no blood quantum because if it did come down to blood quantum, there's a whole lot of people that, uh, that, that, uh, you know, you want to get into who's more Métis. And I try and stay away from that because there is no blood quantum for Métis. Yeah. So they keep, I, I can't remember what I read on their site, something about five, lines back or whatever and i'm thinking five lines back i go i go to my parents mm-hmm. um you know i don't gotta go digging to 1600s to go looking for to see who's metis so if i'm saying that these other people are metis and this guy is up there well maybe everybody should lay their pedigrees on the table here and see who's talking because if you're if you're the guy who's got one grandparent that's back uh, five generations ago and you're the one telling everyone else they're not metis Perhaps you shouldn't be speaking. You know, I <laughs> exactly. hate to be blunt, but you know. Well, I think and it goes. To, it goes to the idea that I've I've noticed for a long time is that um, we tend to be going through this. We're turning over the right to determine who we are to people that are academics, like like Larue, who's not Métis, but you know he's read a lot not of books about academic. it. But we're not we're, an academic either. Yeah. <laughs> but we're we're kind of forgetting that there's elders out there that are telling us who is Métis. And it's very they're very clear on the issue, and everybody's ignoring them and going to these academics, and it's like, uh, I think that's the reverse of what we should be doing here. Well, there's there, the, I'll tell you, 30 years research in my family, and the other day I learned something new, and it was from my aunt, hmm. who just happened to, the conversation came up, and she said something and in 30 years research and and it was a key thing wasn't a little thing it was a key thing wow that explained a lot of history that that followed over the next few decades it was really a big deal and it was nowhere written down in all the history and when she said it so much made sense it was mind-boggling yeah. So if we don't give our elders, our real elders too, I'm not talking about, you know, some of these elders that they've got are elected elders. Yeah. They're elder people who are Métis, but elders more than that. You have to carry a traditional knowledge. If you don't carry the traditional knowledge and the oral histories, yeah. you're not really an elder. Yeah. You know, you're you're an elderly person who's part <laughs> of the community, yeah. Um, but I did notice that a lot. I've met a lot of elders who aren't, and a lot of elders that aren't recognized as such. For sure. So uh, there's, it's almost like when you go into First Nations and you've got the elected councils that is a government of Canada production going on, and you've got the hereditary councils, different yeah. thing. Absolutely. Um, 
and and so that same sort of situation we've got going here and it's a little disturbing because if some of those people were given voice and were able to speak and and tell their stories and tell what they knew tell the history that they know yeah then you'd start finding out that you know what there was communication and there was uh, interaction between these eastern communities and red river between these eastern communities and the northwest that it wasn't just uh an earlier timeline it was an earlier timeline that created the metis that is in fact their timelines wrong the western timeline like yes um that's when the uh control took over and all that but as far as Métis existing before that, they certainly did. Everybody migrated Absolutely. out there. And it's, yeah. it doesn't distract. See, that's the thing is everyone's now, you know, I'm attacking their uh, culture, their history. No, I'm not. Because we're all one people to begin with. I'm trying to teach you your history. I'm trying to yeah. teach you the other half of what happened. Yeah. Because they don't seem to, nobody wants to go back that far. They all want to stop. At, you know, if you go and you punch in uh, Red River Métis, and they got that database on there. But I would suggest to any, any Métis, any Western Métis, start doing your family tree, go back as far as you can, and then go two more generations, see where you end up. You're going to be in La Prairie, Quebec, or you're going to be in Villeneuve, Quebec, or you're going to be in any of these Métis communities. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe me, just take your own tree. If you're a Red River Métis, take your own tree, follow it back to Quebec, then take your buddy's tree, see if he isn't your neighbor. Yeah. That's absolutely. the thing, right? It's, it would have been different had it been only my family, yeah. but it wasn't. And when I went and started looking, it was everybody's families are there. Oh, for and sure. I'm like, okay, well, if we're all here a hundred years before Red River was even thought of, then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it just makes no sense. Um, absolutely. I understand how it came to be because of that, um effective control and they sort of you know well they, when the rcmp was out there that was effective control at that point it's effective control yeah. so that plays to all their timeline and and it's a much earlier timeline in the east and there's varying timelines too from uh from quebec to nova scotia new brunswick it's not all the same exact timeline when effective control would take complete and even though in some cases it'd have to be argued they shouldn't have to be because we can identify who they are but you know yeah absolutely absolutely you you shouldn't it's the only race on the earth where you gotta prove and it's to me it's nuts it is like if you're jewish if you're jewish and you're living in israel and you move you're still jewish when you move somewhere else <laughs> exactly. uh, it doesn't doesn't matter where you move you're still jewish yeah absolutely uh, so I, I really don't understand that uh how how that got to be that way yeah and it is unfortunate. It is very unfortunate. Um, so I guess, you know, we're getting uh, kind of wrapped up here. I, I don't know if there's anything that, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's any announcements or anything that's kind of happening coming up soon or events or something like that that maybe you want to talk about or. Um, uh, well, we have, we have an election coming up pretty quick, an AGA, an election, all that will be happening. Not really quick, but there's an AGA happening pretty quick. I don't, I don't have the dates yet, but we're setting the dates. It's okay. going to be soon. Okay. Um, so there'll be some big meetings. We're still talking with government. We're, uh, there'll be some things happening pretty quick, actually. We're going to do an announcement pretty soon, and it's trying to address this. We're still trying to get everybody to one table, which, mm-hmm. you know, there's so there's a lot of things going on. 
Um, Fantastic. Yeah, I just we're we're just in you know mid stride here because there's so much going on and <laughs> it's a daily, daily sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? It, it's hard to say one. There's one thing happening when there's there's thirty things going on at all times, and uh, um, but I just well here's something else too is because it's being treated as open warfare when like I have a lot of people getting upset because I'm not posting updates on Métis Federation Canada site or I'm not keep you know not updating everybody but we can't there's because if you're if you have an effort underway that some other group thinks they can undermine and you let them know that you're doing it before it's secured then they're going to be trying to undermine or circumvent that from ever happening. Whereas if you have it secured first and whatever's happening is all, it's going to happen no matter what, then you can put it all over Facebook or whatever. Yeah. But so there's a lot of stuff going on that we can't say anything about because until we actually have, you know, and, until it's a secure situation, we can't reveal it for sure because otherwise yeah. we have somebody undermining us at every turn. Absolutely. So a lot of it's that. It's not that we're trying to be um, behind closed doors or anything. It's just that it's it's almost a war council the way we're having to conduct ourselves right now. For sure. For sure. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, and, and I know we're going to try to make this more of a regular thing. Um, so certainly look forward to, to having you back on the show. Um, but, yeah, I think the message, and I think, you know, I think it's important that people hear straight from, you know, straight from the source of the, the message, uh, exactly what the MFC stands for. Uh, so I really, really thank you for coming on. Yeah, and I, I hope, you know, I'm hoping to make that message heard to the Métis everywhere, especially the Western Métis. Nobody's trying to destroy or take away from that historical experience, which it's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful part of our history. But let's hear the whole history because there's some really fantastic stories to the East too. And there's a earlier history than they've been taught. Yeah. And it would sure be nice to be able to teach that history, not just to the other Métis, not just so the Métis nation knows who they are, but so Canada knows who they are. Absolutely. This is, it's important to the story, yes. just as important as the Western Métis were important to the story. So is the Eastern communities and their contribution to what happened. Absolutely. Well, yeah. so I think yeah. I think we're in a good position. I don't think anyone should be worried, you know, because I mm-hmm. hear I see a lot of fear out there and uh, people are trying to spread fear. But if you're in a secure community group and, and to those who aren't, I would say this, your community groups are more important than the organizations you belong to Absolutely. your community group above all. So if you're a member of Métis Federation Canada, if you're a member of MNC, MNO, any of these groups, it doesn't matter. Your community is what matters most. Yeah. Because that's where your rights are going to come into play. And we're going to get there. We're going to get to that point because it's the modern day communities. That's I don't care where my ancestors lived 150 years ago. I live today. I got to eat today. So if I, if, if how I live is harvesting, and I moved to Oshawa from Alberta, that community, I should be able to join it and have my same harvesting rights there. Absolutely. Um, that has to be addressed. We will be, but there'll be all kinds of good things happening. Like right now, there's so much movement and everybody's all, you know, what's going on? What's going on? Uh, it's all for the good. 
Yeah. It might not be all for the good for the MNC, but it's for the Métis people, it's all for the good. Right this on. is a we're moving the right direction. Well, that is definitely refreshing to hear because I think right now especially there's a lot of negativity, but um but I do I do have a lot of hope that there is cuz I see a lot of other communities that are starting to kind of wake up and and break away from this you know the this lens that they're they've been stuck in for 30 some years and um realizing that you know there's more to this story than than what we've been told so um really refreshing to hear and and I really appreciate you coming on I think it's going to be an exciting year for everybody Absolutely. no matter where if you're Métis and you're living in Canada it's going to be an exciting year there's going to be a lot of stuff going on and you know don't get depressed don't get down it doesn't matter if you're in the East Coast right now and you think you're never going to get recognized. Don't think that way. We're moving ahead. People are keeping you in mind. People have your 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 well-being in their hearts. Absolutely. So we're going to get somewhere here. Fantastic. Well, um, thank you for being on the show, and uh, I look forward to the next time we chat, which hopefully will be in uh, you know maybe a month or a month and a half or something like that. Yeah, for sure. I'll come back anytime. Awesome. Well, thank you, Charlie. All right. Thanks. You bet. Have a good night. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, that was a fantastic conversation. Um, there was a lot of things in there that I, I really enjoyed hearing, um, and it's really refreshing to hear from somebody in a position of, you know, president of, a, of an organization, Métis organization. And, uh, yeah, I just I hope that that dispels maybe some of the uh, false narratives that you've heard about the the mfc um and i i just uh i think it was very refreshing so i really am glad charlie came on and i'm I'm hoping we can have him on again more regularly just to kind of keep us updated as to what they're doing um i have to apologize for my voice tonight i have a little bit of a cold um but i guess for now that's all i got i know we got some some more uh great shows coming up uh, jason's got some some interviews he's lining up where we're uh, going to be coming together here in a, in a week or two to do another episode but with the two of us. So that's something to look forward to. And, uh, yeah, I hope uh, you guys have a great week and enjoy this episode. And thanks for listening. And uh, for now, the jig is up. <laughs>